Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Enrollify podcast. My name is Zach Buzikruz, and I am your host for today's episode. And today, it's actually just me. So we're experimenting with another type of segment, and we want your thoughts on it. So if you enjoyed today's segment, we're going to dive in very shortly. Uh, please shoot me an email at zach at enrollify.org. Let me know, and we will do more of these. We probably won't replace, we definitely won't replace the Thursday interview-style podcast, but we might incorporate this segment on, like, Tuesdays or something. So if you like what this segment is about, if you enjoy kind of the format, the style, uh, again, please let us know, and we will do more of them. So without further ado, let's dive in. I want to let you guys in on a little secret. And this might crush your soul a little bit, but we're going to get through this together. Trader Joe's world's puffiest white cheddar corn puffs are really just pirate's booty. And their crispy, crunchy chocolate chip cookies? Well, they're from Tate's Bake Shop in New York. In fact, while TJ is incredibly hush-hush about where they actually source their food, there is strong evidence that suggests that many of the TJ products that you know and that you love, from those animal crackers and pita chips to the creamy tomato soup and pumpkin spice coffee, are actually sourced from the same farms, the same factories, and the same vineyards that the products on the shelves of Safeway, Kroger, Martins, Giant, and insert other you know mainstream grocery store here are from. So what this means is that Trader Joe's, from a product standpoint, isn't objectively better. Again, right? Their products are being sourced from the same places that the products at these mainstream grocery stores are being sourced from. But you love Trader Joe's, right? Who doesn't love Trader Joe's? And there is a difference between what you find on TJ shelves and the shelves of Safeway. But the difference is not so much in the actual product, right? The difference is in the packaging and specifically the copywriting that's associated with the product. Trader Joe's copywriters tell the story about the product, where it was sourced, how it tastes, and what are in its ingredients. There's often like a funny pun or a hidden joke or some other version of wor- of wordplay involved there. And this produces intrigue, right? It produces curiosity and anticipation among their readers in addition to letting them know about the new products they have to come in and try, right? Their Fearless Flyer magazine is a great example of this, but this is also includes is is typically included on the back side of any product right where you'd see ingredients you also find a story about the product so what trader joe's does really really well is that instead of selling the product they sell the experience of it okay so we're going to do guys a e-course we're building it right now it's almost done it's almost available for you all to sign up for and it's going it's going to be called um, how to become a kick ass copywriter and increase enrollment so this is going to be really fun and we're going to be using Trader Joe's as a case study and several other awesome case studies lots and lots of higher ed specific case studies so don't worry about that and what's going to be really really neat is we're going to show you how to become a better copywriter how to use words to influence prospects to take action whether that's in your emails whether that's on your landing pages whether that's on your social ad copy and it's going to be a ton of fun so if you want to get on the wait list, okay, we have a several people who are already interested and who have messaged me about this because of our Fridays videos, uh, and we're going to cap it. But if you want to get on the wait list, 
send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at enrollify.org, and we will keep you up to date on when we are releasing these products. So get excited. Um, um, this is these, you know, and I say these products because we're going to come out with a number of e-courses, but we're going to start with this copywriting e-course, and it's going to be really fantastic. So take a, a minute, shoot me over an email, or you can wait till the end of today's episode, and I will add you to that list. Okay, so what are we going to do today? Today, we are going to run through 10 creative-ish ideas for email A-B tests, okay? So this is totally aligned with what we're trying to do from a copywriting standpoint with respect to educating enrollment marketers on how to better leverage words to influence prospective students to essentially accelerate their journey to enrollment. And, you know, one of the vehicles through which we all know and we all love, or maybe some of us don't love, um, with respect to communications to, to prospective students is emails and specifically email conflicts. Well, fun fact, a lot of you don't do email A-B tests. So we put out a couple pieces of content recently and asked folks for uh, to respond to the content with honest thoughts on, hey, how often does your institution, how often does your enrollment management team, your, your marketing and communications team actually do A-B testing with respect to email? And shockingly, guys, the number is very, 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 very small. And what you all end up saying is that, you know, by the time we get the email conflow approved, you know, by the time we've got the the copy ready to go and we've agreed on the subject line, right? Nobody wants to come up with a B version, right? No one's got time for that. Like you're, you're barely keeping it. You're better. You're barely getting the A version done yet. We all know, right? All good marketers know that you've got to test. You've got to constantly be testing. And in fact, one of the things that we say a lot here at Enrollify is that it's not just about AB testing anymore. It's about A, B, C, D through Z testing, right? And so what we want to do today, what I want to do with you guys today, because we don't have a guest um, to, to feature uh, um, for this week's episode, is really walk through 10 ideas that we have for email A-B tests that you could run right now. So you don't need a special CRM to do this. Any CRM that allows you to send email will enable you to complete these tests. Um, and again, these are what we call creative-ish ideas because um, you know they're not the most revolutionary ideas, but the fact is, you guys aren't using these ideas, right? Like no one's doing this um, and they're not, or, or they're not doing it well. And so what we want to do is provide you guys as always with content that you can take. And right after listening to today's episode, you could go implement in your own context and I guarantee your results will be better. And if they're not, uh, you can, you know, I guess blame me, um, but we're going to dive in. So Again, these are 10 creative-ish ideas for different email A-B tests that you, sh you should and you can run right now. Okay, the first test is what we call the suspense email versus the exclamatory. So what this test is about is it's about, act it's about punctuation in the subject line. So I've talked about this on my Fridays episodes before, but surprisingly, guys, you all open emails that have ellipses 10 times more frequently than you open emails with any other punctuation point. So when I include a subject line, right, like, you know, uh, breaking news coming soon, if I do a dot, 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 you are 10 times more likely to open that email than when I put an exclamation point for breaking news now, right? So 
uh, I don't know why that is. I think it's, you know, suspense, whatnot. But like, I've noticed more and more and more marketers are doing this in their subject lines. And, you know, uh, Sweetgreen does this really well. We'll talk about Sweetgreen a little bit more later. They're sort of, I've talked about them a ton because they're one of my favorite brands. Um, I think they do a kick-ass job when it comes to email marketing. But you'll notice, right, more and more brands are uh, using ellipses over exclamation points in their subject lines. But, um, you all need to test this, right? And the the reality is I've subscribed to a zillion different schools' email communication flows, right, by opting in as an inquiry. And very, very, very few, in fact, like, I, I think over, uh, I subscribed to uh, 80 different schools' communications. And of those 80, I think I got one email once from one school with an ellipses in the subject line. And yet all the data that we have for both our clients, also the data that we have just for Enrollify, right? When you use ellipses, there are your open and click-through rates and the overall performance of the email campaign increases. So, but again, that this could not work in your context. So I want you all to try an email, AB email test where everything else is equal, except for the fact that you use ellipses in a subject line for uh, version A, and you use an exclamation point for the subject line in version B. Okay. That's idea number one for you. Idea number two is what I call the Donald Draper versus the Steve Jobs. So if you have been tuning in, if you are one of the few people that uh, watch and read everything that Enrollify puts out, um, you'll have heard uh, me talk about Donald Draper before. Uh, Most of you probably know who Don Draper is. If you don't, it's because you've been living under a rock um, or just don't obsess over uh, advertising shows from, you know, the sixties, like I do, but, uh, <laughs> Donald Draper is a, is the protagonist in, uh, Mad Men and Mad Men, you know, has been around for, I think seven seasons they have of Mad Men and, uh, basically follows, uh, advertisers in, um, New York city on Madison Avenue in the sixties. And anyways, what Don is known for is writing really, really great copy. So he works with creatives uh, in his agency, but what Don's responsible for is the words, right? Words that convince people to take action. So this test is a email A-B test for, with um, where you're testing whether or not copy is going to be more influential in getting the prospect to take action or whether or not the design of the email is going to be more influential, hence Steve Jobs. So Steve Jobs slash uh, Apple as a brand, right? known for using very, very limited copy and really emphasizing design in their communications. When you when a new iPhone releases, right, and you get an email, you know, it, it might have anywhere between five and 10 words and that's it. And then lots of imagery. They are getting you to uh, view the new product, right? Watch the video, whatever it is. And they're doing th- uh, so through, they're doing so through the power of really, really great email design uh, with with limited copy. Um, let me just take a quick sip of water here. This is this is hard, like just talking to yourself without a guest. Ah, there you go. Thank you. Water's water's great. So that is uh, that is uh, uh, the second idea. Okay, third idea, guys. This is what I call the playing hard to get versus the roses on the first date uh, A B test. Okay, so playing hard to get. That's including a single CTA in an email. So just one button, right? You write your email. You are asking folks to sign up for an event or to inquire or maybe, you know, start an application, whatever it might be. And there's just one CTA in the email, right? You're playing hard to get. You click this, you 
do this or you don't, you bounce, right? Like I'm not gonna give you lots of options. Uh, versus the roses on the first date is multiple links, CTAs and uh, calls um, uh, calls to apply, right? So lots and lots and lots and lots of like opportunities for the prospect to express interest, right? Like you're basically saying like, okay, I love you so much that I wanna do anything and you know, uh, I'm gonna give you like the option to download this piece, I'm gonna give you the option to watch this video, I'm gonna give you the option to, uh, you know, book time on my calendar. I just want like all of your attention, right? It's a lot, it's, it's overkill, right? Um, and so this is an interesting email test when you're trying to understand, okay, whether or not your, your constituency, the people that you're sending communications to, whether or not they're more likely to convert when there's just one kind of clear answer, uh, one clear option, or whether or not like they actually need lots of different options before they decide like what sort of relationship they wanna have with you, right? Um, so that's uh, that's test number, uh, idea number three. Okay, idea number four, bringing back Trader Joe's. If you haven't fit, picked this up yet, I love Trader Joe's. Um, and uh, I could talk about Trader Joe's all day, oh my gosh. And what's funny is like I grew up in Hawaii and uh, there were no Trader Joe's there. I don't know if there are now, but there certainly weren't uh, back when I was growing up. And so I'm a recent like, uh, lover of of all things TJ, but so what this uh, test is is uh, a personalization test. So lots of emails, right? Everyone talks. Every, if you've ever been to an email marketing workshop, right? People talk about like the importance of personalization in email, the importance of personalization in communications, right? And it's really really important. But right, what's funny is like sometimes like personalization is overkill, right? Other times like what people do when they think about like personalized communications is like, they're like, oh, that that means like having Zach, like, hey, Zach, right? As you've got one personalization uh, token in there, which is like first name and that's it. That's not like a specific, you know, a particularly personalized email. So what this test is, is what I like to call the Trader Joe's versus the Costco. So Trader Joe's, right, has three plus personalization tokens in, in this email. So you might personalize beyond the name, right? You might personalize, you might have like a data point that says, hey, these prospects really like watching video versus these prospects really like uh, written text, right? And that's what's more likely to get them to perform whatever the you know task or action that the email uh, desires for, for viewers of that email to perform. Another you know example of a personalization token could be you know beyond kind of format and beyond kind of like name could be something like, hey, like by the way, you know, um, noticed that you, uh, like this particular, you follow this particular influencer on social media. Fun fact, they like uh, went to our school, right? Or you could find a topic like, hey, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do with this new piece of content we're launching is trying to be like a morning brew. If you know that those people subscribe to like the morning brew or or the hustles of the world. So that's an example of like how to, you know, that's a simple example, but of how to include multiple personalization tokens within an email versus the Costco, which is what we call little to no personalization. So uh, this means like, you might have zero personalization in the entire email. It might just be like from the brand and maybe you have a first name token, variable token, and that's it, but little to no personal personalization. All right, that's test number four. Okay, test number five. And I think I need a sip of coffee now. Gosh, wow. Who knew talking for, it's only been 15 minutes. I, I And I'm a talker, man. Like I, I am very long-winded. If you don't believe me, uh, it's because A, you haven't been, you know, following me long enough or and or b you've never spoken to my wife um 
anyways, number five is what I call the politician versus the comedian. So, right, the politician is inspirational, calculated, and safe copy. So this is a test on kind of like tone and style in emails. So email A is the politician, and it's very, you know, safe copy, calculated. It's sort of like the, it, it, it's basically like an email that like a faculty member would write, right? Like, not wrong, true, but not particularly like, uh, um, uh, inspirational, right? Or, or provocative. Whereas the comedian is funny, personable, maybe a little bit edgier when it comes to copy. Like maybe they're okay with throwing in a, uh, you know, an emoji or maybe throwing in a bad word here and there. Not a bad, not a bad, bad word, but you know, maybe they're comfortable with using like suck as like a word, right? In communications, which again, you should use sparingly, but at the same time when used appropriately can be really great and, and can be funny. So, That's email uh, test number five, the politician versus the comedian. Number six, this is what I call the baby boomer versus the Gen Z. This is a really simple email test, okay? And it's a CTA test. So we're trying to see, okay, what specific uh, button, like the copy on the button is going to be more influential in getting people to click through to the content. So the baby boomer boomer test is pretty straightforward. It's read a student testimonial. That's the CTA. It's all about like, hey, you know, you're going to be sent to a website where there's a blog and you're going to read the student testimonial versus uh, test B is watch a student video, right? So again, the only real difference there is that we are using um, verbs like read and watch and the actual content type, right, implies that, and, you know, in test B, it explicitly says, like, video. Um, test A doesn't say, read our student testimonial blog, but, like, you know, doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that you're probably going to read this testimony on some sort of blog-like uh, format uh, or, or archive, right? So uh, what you're really testing for here is, again, what sort of CTA inspires people to click through. And what's really neat about this approach is that this can give you really good insight into what kind of content formats do you really need to be using in your communications, depending on, again, what audience is receiving this email. Number six, six, seven. Oh gosh, I can't even remember. You guys will, you guys will get back to me. Um, I think it's we're on six. I feel like I said six last time, but anyways, here we go. Um, this is what we call the couplet versus the free verse. Okay, this is actually my favorite, guys. Okay, I, if you ask my team, I'm obsessed with email subject lines and preview text. So that's kind of like something I've been on the kick for. Um. Uh, recently. So what the couplet, the couplet is, excuse me, is preview text that piggybacks off of the subject line. So you have a subject line that might say something like, you'll never believe what's inside, you know, ellipses. And then the preview text says, um, you know, uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I don't know why I just said gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's not Christmas. But, you know, it, it's something that says, like, says, this is what you're going to find inside, right? Like, uh, you know, what's inside, you know, free ideas for your next, um, uh, as, you know, free ideas as you evaluate your, your college options or whatever it is. So it's an example of uh, subject line and preview text that go together. So they, another way of thinking about this is that like they could, con- they could form a complete, uh, like they could form a sentence, like the subject line read directly into the preview text could be, could be a complete thought, a complete sentence, right? So that's what the couplet is. Whereas the free verse is where the preview text and the subject line are completely unrelated. So, you know, basically what this allows you to do is kind of capitalize on more real estate. You could say, you know, a, a really provocative, 
subject line, something like, you know, oh, COVID, like I sent one out, um, was that yesterday? This morning I sent an email out and I said, um, so COVID disrupted your, bu- your budget, dot, dot, dot. And then the, uh, that was the subject line. And the preview text was, hey, here's how we're helping solve this problem. Like, so it wasn't, it wasn't directly related. It was obviously um, contextually sound, but it, I, I used the opportunity to do something really different in the preview text and did not uh, choose to associate it directly with the subject line. So that's the couplet and the free verse. Okay, number eight. We are on eight. So the last one was seven. Um, so my apologies, guys. <laughs> this is, this is okay, I don't know that I love this tactic, to be honest. Um, and I kind of think it's sleazy, but it does work. Okay, I hate to break it to you. Uh, or I don't know if I hate to break it to you, but the reality is it does work. Uh, we've done this accidentally. Well, not accidentally. We've done this like intentionally, um, and it's performed really freaking well. But I think it could be seen as a bit malicious um, and emotionally manipulative. So uh, use with caution. But this is what we call the oops versus the re email. So A is include oops in the subject line. So even like when you don't mess up, right? That's that's sort of the, what's implied here. So oops as a subject line um, gets really incredible open rates because I guess people are obsessed with or intrigued by seeing brands fail or mess up, right? So like um, when you get an email from like Allbirds or whatever, and they're like, oops, so sorry. Like the, you know, the shoe that we featured in the last email didn't click to the right landing page or something like that. Like here's the right link or whatever. Being able to do something like that even if you didn't send an original email, um, that gets insane open rate. So uh, that's just something that you could test if you wanted versus the re similar, but it's like you put re in the subject line. So it looks like somebody has responded to an email that you sent. Again, also kind of like eh, kind of shady, but again, gets really, really interesting engagement rate. So something to test maybe with a small pool of people if you're feeling a little bold. Okay, number nine, this is what we call the PS I love you versus the friend zone. So the PS I love you is a PS link to a relevant decision stage offer. So it's like a PS, like uh, apply to our online MBA program today, right? Um, Versus the friend zone is PS, like here's a guide to everything that you need to think about uh, before choosing a graduate program right? So the big difference is that one is a little bit more like start your application today, right? Like here's what we want you to do. And the other one is like, eh, yeah, in case you're still sort of like browsing and, and checking things out, like no worries. Like, you know, we don't have to commit to one another. Like go and view and read this entry level, you know, piece of, of content that's a little bit more tofu, right? Like, no, you know, no strings attached. Like we're just here to educate and give you free resources, right? Like that's that's sort of like the friend zone email, right? It's like, sorry, buddy, like uh, not interested in a relationship right now. And what's interesting about this, guys, is this can help you determine, right? Like where people are actually at in your pipeline. It can be really hard for enrollment management teams to get a good sense for like where folks are actually at, right? Maybe somebody inquired, but let's say you get like 25,000 inquiries in any given year, right? Like it can be really, and you know, only a fraction of those people start, let's say, you know, you know, 5,000 of them start applications. What about the other 20,000? Like, are they dead? Are they still interested, but just not, you know, ready? So 
uh, including these sort of tests in your Conflows in outbound communications, right, is really, really helpful and can give you a, a good sense and, and good is a really good indicator for where somebody is actually at. And from there, if you're, if you're doing uh, enrollment marketing right, right, you're going to include them, enroll them in a different kind of communication flow. You're going to put them on a different pathway um, if they clicked the friend zone email than if they clicked the PS I love you email. Um, okay, which is, again, both uh, PS uh, lines. Finally, the last but not least, number 10 is what we call the toy versus the ace. Okay, and toy is spelled with an I, T-O-I. Um, and then what the, the T-O-I is, what the toy is, is sending emails before the work or school day. So your email is top of inbox. Okay, that's where the T-O-I comes from. So it's basically like getting emails into people's inbox so that it's the first thing that they see versus the ACE, which is what we call um, after close of work or school email. So um, getting an email into somebody's inbox when they've you know shut down for the day in theory, they're not paying attention to work emails, it's after five, whatever it might be, and you're popping in their inbox. So again, historically, like if you talk to the email marketing gurus of the world, they'll say, you know, the best time to send emails is between 6 a.m. and 1 p.m., um, but, you know, I think COVID has sort of changed that. I think people are working different hours. I also just think that people are spending more time on um, their laptops and, uh, and on their phones. And so I would just challenge you guys, if you're looking to increase in, uh, email engagement or have the bandwidth to like uh, play around a little bit and, and do some tests to, to do so and, and um, try testing out, sending different communications at different times in the day than, than you're used to. So this is a good example. Again, everything else in the email is the same. You're just sending it to uh, the uh, the audience and you're sending uh, version A to an audience at the beginning of the day, right before the work or school days uh, start. So it's kind of a, the first thing that they see versus an audience where you're sending that the same communication once kind of their, their work for the day is done. All right, folks. Whew, that was a lot. Wasn't that helpful? I hope it was. But again, the point here is, to stretch your imagination, right? Think outside the box. One of the things that I like to tell people, uh, and this is a practice that we try to employ here at Enrollify for just about everything that we do. So when it comes to, let's say, an email subject line, right? The first thing, we, we, we write out a subject line, something like, uh, this is gonna be the best subject line ever, right? And then we write, uh, that's a little bit you know, too long, so let's do best subject line ever ellipses, right? Then what we do is like we say, okay, let's, circle this, right? Let's put a, a box around it. This is in the box, right? Because in marketing, we talk all the time about thinking outside the box, but it's like, what does that actually mean? Well, what we want to try to do here is actually identify what the heck is in the box. So we write out a couple subject lines, put a big box around it, and we say, okay, that's in the box. Now we got to think of something outside of the box. So if that little exercise is helpful in, in getting you and your team to kind of push your creativity and, and um, think a little bit differently about how to better leverage uh, your subject lines and the real estate that Preview Text provides for you, then please do that. Uh, thank you guys so much for, uh, you know, being loyal subscribers to Enrollify and for participating in what we're trying to build here. What we're trying to build here is a resource for you all. Uh, we know that life is crazy and COVID has disrupted a lot, but we're here for you. We're, we're your idea people. We want to be uh, an idea generating machine for you guys as you step into the fall. So 
Let let me know what you thought about this segment, folks. Hopefully, it was helpful. Again, these this was ten creative ideas for email A/B tests. Um, happy to answer any questions you guys might have or share some data on how we're seeing schools that are using these uh, these tests, how we're seeing those emails uh, perform. But again, it's best if you can try this in your context. Thank you guys very much. Have an amazing week and get excited because we have an awesome, awesome special guest coming on next week's show. All right, guys, take care. If you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to, digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.